we should recall the wonder of it all because it will make us thankful. Heavenly Father, as I come to the preaching of the message tonight, there's never a time that I do not feel a tremendous sense of responsibility. There's never a time that I do not feel a sense of burden to deliver a truth. And Lord, knowing my inability and knowing your ability, I come, Lord, asking that you would, Lord, help me to accomplish your will tonight. I have spent much time in preparation and prayer. And I pray, Lord, that you would bind the devil from off this place. And, Lord, we would hear the message tonight, not just to hear. But, Lord, the message would be heard as it will go out, uh, Lord, in many different ways in the coming uh, weeks and months. I pray that you would use it. I pray that you would accomplish your will. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Revelation chapter 2 and these seven verses are a very familiar passage of Scripture, especially to those of us who have been in church a long time and many, many times I have heard and many of you have heard messages on your first love and returning to your first love. I have a concern that... um, I would. I, I don't want to lose my first love for the Lord. I, I don't want to lose my devotion. I, I, I don't want to lose my seriousness for the Lord. One of the things I'm often concerned about is our children that grow up in church. And um, they, they don't feel a sense of sacredness of church. They don't feel a sense of sacredness of the of the assembly together and I I want us to I want us to know that when we come together and we stand behind this pulpit of wood and we open this book right here that there's not a time in the week to pay attention and give you attention to the Holy Spirit like there is when the Word of God is preached I think often of the story of Nadab and Abihu and how they offered a strange fire because they lost a respect for the instruction of God I I I think of those in the Passover when there was but one way for the death angel to pass over and that was for them to take the blood and to apply it to the doorpost every detail important I have a concern for those that sit in class in chapel every day that we come to the place that we become numb to the things of God I don't want to become numb to the things of God. I I don't. I I hunger not. And uh, this is one of those foundational passages of Scripture that is an anchor passage for my Christian life. It is a reminder of where I need to live in my personal walk with God. I do not want to lose my first love for the Lord. I would describe this first love in three ways. First of all, it is a controlling love. It is a love for him that affects everything else I do. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Our schedule doesn't revolve around things. It revolves around our love for him. Christ is first in our lives. Many folks have jobs and schedules that you do because... 
You want to put God first in your life and you work to make sure that happens. There are folks here tonight, they could make more money, but they would have to be less involved in church and work. There's some tonight praying for new jobs and working to find new jobs because the love for God is a controlling love. It's a love that, that, that my life revolves around. Second of all, it is a compassionate love. It is a love that causes me to love others. I cannot love others without the love that God gives me. We don't love others without this love of God. Third of all, it is a combustible love. It is one that boils over with joy and excitement, sometimes with tears and sorrow, but it is an expressive love. It is, it is an active love. I never want to come to the place that I go through the motions of my walk with God and my work for God. I want my devotion, my time with God to be, I want my attention to be given to Him. I, I want my preaching to be uh, what God would have it to be. And I, 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 I preach almost every day. This past week I preached every day and sometimes more than once a day. Yesterday evening I spoke to the a Spanish church in a banquet and an activity they had. And I, I never want to go through the motions. I don't want to just pick up a sermon and say, that's a good outline. I want to preach that tonight. I, I sincerely as a pastor want to accomplish something I believe to be very important. Brother Dallas preached from this passage on a Wednesday night about three weeks ago, and it was a blessing to my heart, and it was a good reminder to me of the importance of keeping my first love. Recently, while reading this passage again, this, this anchor passage, one of the things that you just constantly check, like the thermostat on the wall, like the doors, whether they're locked or unlocked. I mean, this is a passage that I want to read, that I want to make sure that my love for Christ is a first love. It is a love of devotion. There were two truths that I discovered. I believe they go hand in hand that I want to preach about tonight. And the first one is, the first statement is this, to get back to a first love, I don't return to a first love, I return to the first works. I found that to be an interesting statement in verse number 5. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works. He didn't say return to the first love, he said do the first works. That's how you get back to the first love. But the second thing that he points out here of this church is that you hate everything you ought to hate. You, you do not like things that you should not like. He talks about them in verse 2. He talks about them in verse 3. And even in verse 6, after he tells them to repent, he said, But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now, there's a variety of statements and study of who these people were, but they were basically people that rejected truth. And he said, you hate them, and you should, and I do as well. But if we're not careful, we will constantly point out all of the wrongs that we forget what's right to do. And I think that's what happened in the church of Ephesus. They left the first love 
to hate what they're supposed to hate. I fear that some in our fundamental Baptist movement today have done this and they hate the wrong so much their hatred of wrong has poisoned their love for good. Now I'm not going to try to talk you out of hating evil tonight. I'm going to try to get you to keep hating heresy and evil. But God said you're fallen. You hate what I hate, but you don't love what I love anymore. I fear that some have so hated wrong for so long and so much they've become bitter and they poison the very people they love. I fear that their churches have lost their zeal for soul winning because they've lost or replaced their love with a hatred for wrong. I believe there's a balance in the two and it's obvious to see what's going on here. I say to preachers often that talk to me about family, they'll say to me, what do you think is important about family and ministry? And I'll tell them, make sure you enjoy serving Jesus. And I'm not talking about just in the pulpit. I'm talking about in life. I don't want to talk to my children about everything I hate all the time. Because they grow up thinking I'm not right if I'm not hating the wrong things. And there is truth to that. But if they miss the first love, they have a bitterness. And they get to the place that they believe they have to speak up and correct every wrong. In some places they have no business speaking up. I'm going to go through the passage again, if I may, and focus tonight on the statement, repent and do the first works. Get back to the first love. And the way you get back to the first love is returning to the first works. And as we look at these words written to the church at Ephesus, we see that these are serious words. We see that this is a serious warning to the church, so much so that if they did not make the change, God said, you're going to die, and I'm going to be the one that brings death to the church. You're going to become nothing but ruins. Look at it again. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now notice he said, I know thy works and thy labor. You don't just work, you labor at it. You're, you're, you're a hard-working people, and I commend that. Your patience, patience, and how, that's can, how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent and do the first works." or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent, but this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Then he said to him that hath the ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. He's not talking about the audible ability to hear. He's talking about let the Spirit of God speak to you. Now I've got something very important for you to, for you to hear. 
I want you to notice four things to begin with. He said, thou art fallen. You are, you are right on all the wrongs, but you're fallen. You're right. You can name everything that's wrong with anybody, the world, the church, anybody. You, you're right on all the wrongs, but you're fallen. Second of all, he said, I want to define that fallen. You've fallen because you left your first love. Number three, he said, you stand in danger of death and ruins. You can't survive like this. I'm telling you tonight, I'm seeing Christians, I'm seeing churches that are dying and they're using their fundamental position and their fundamental uh, title uh, for, for hating. And I understand, and, and, and I, again, I want to say I'm not trying to keep us from hating wrong, but you get to the place that all you do is hate and you leave your first love, you're headed for death. Number four, he said, you can return, and I like that, and I plan to keep returning. I plan to keep remembering. I, I plan to keep repenting. I plan to keep, as my heart would grow cold toward the first love, as I would be drawn away by this distraction and that distraction of, of this heresy and that heresy. May I say tonight, I've got to be careful that I not be drawn away so that I'm right on every wrong, but I've lost my love and my devotion for Christ. He told them there are three things to do. They're very simple to find here. In verse number five, he said, first of all, remember. She sang the song, when I remember what he's done for me, it makes me thankful. We ought to recall. We ought to remember. We ought to be thankful. Don't ever forget where you came from. Don't ever forget what Christ has done for you. Don't ever forget how he picked you up out of the miry clay and he set your feet on a solid rock and he established your goings and he put a song in your mouth. Even praise unto our God. I want to tell you something, dear friend. Don't ever forget what God has done for you. Amen. Remember it. And it doesn't mean just remember. It says keep remembering. Keep reminding yourself of where you came from and what Christ has done for you. Second of all, he said, I want you to repent. That means change direction. That means change your mind. That means turn around. That means go a different direction. And then third of all, he said, I want you to repeat. I want you to do again your first works. And I make the message statement again tonight. To get to the first love, you have to get back to the first works. To get back to the first love, you get back to the first works. Without us turning to the story, I'll... Trust our knowledge of the story in 1 Kings chapter 14 when Rehoboam came to the throne of Israel. Rehoboam was a fool in so many ways and he acted the fool in so many ways. Rehoboam, of course, divided the kingdom because he became a king for the people to make him rich and to increase his power and his position. And it didn't work out as he planned and he divided the kingdom and of course, God can always bring us down to size, and He can do that pretty quick. Amen. You know what I've found? I've found that yielding is easier than breaking. And it's easier for me to yield every day rather than for me to have a stiff neck and a hard heart and God just have to break me. I don't want that to happen. But there are times, and it's obvious, and we need to be reminded as we read through the Scripture that God has the power and ability to break us, and Rehoboam would not bend. He would not yield, and God had to break him. He allowed the Egyptians to invade Judea, and they stole away 
gold shields. Gold shields that had been provided by Solomon for the temple guard. Now there was something about those gold shields. It's sort of like seeing uh, the marine sword. It's sort of like seeing uh, the battleship come on the horizon. There was something about seeing when the temple guards showed up. They didn't have just a shield. They had a shield that was made of solid gold. And Solomon was saying to the world, I want you to know that I stand behind my temple guard. I've given to them the best and we want to bring honor and glory to God and to the temple. And they and they they were thankful. That represented the glory of God and their and their support for those guardsmen that were there. And they gave them shields of gold and when Egypt came they stole the shields of gold now if you know the story Rehoboam took the loss in stride he said that's all right we'll just replace those shields of gold with shields of brass instead the shields of brass could be shined to look like gold and when the sun would hit them the enemy will think that they are gold And that's exactly what happens to the church at Ephesus right here. It's happened to many a fundamental church. The enemy is made off with the gold of devotion. And we've replaced it with the brass instead. I wish it were not true that many have allowed church, have allowed church to replace their walk with God rather than supplement and strengthen their walk with God. Can I tell you if the only time you're reading the word of God, the only time you're hearing truth is Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, you, my friend, are on spiritual life support, and you are a target for the devil. You need to have a walk with God that every day that something from that Bible is placed in your mind, in your heart, and you remember what God has done for you from the time of your salvation, and you remember how good God has been. If we're not careful, we'll let being on a team uh, take away the responsibility or the pressure of personal responsibility And I fear this, we let an emotional stir, we let an emotional stir replace the work of the Holy Spirit by His Word. You don't measure a sermon by how many people cried or how many people laughed or even how many folks came to the altar. You measure a sermon by the working of the Holy Spirit to take that book and put it into the heart and mind of mankind. Not that it makes an emotional stir that lasts for a while here, but that it changes our thinking and our behavior out there. I fear we come to the place, by the way, that's why we've replaced preaching tonight. In a lot of places, we've gone to a few minutes of preaching and we have a whole lot of show because we'd rather have an emotional stir. It's a whole lot easier for us to clap our hands. It's a whole lot easier for us to have an emotional stir and say, we want to praise God and I'm for that. But dear friend, the the preaching of the Word of God is what church is about and is what the pulpit is about to take a truth, the seed of the Word of God and put it in our heart to make a change or adjustment in our lives. Life to make us more like Christ. We cannot become satisfied with a false love or a fake love. We must hunger for that first love. 
God told the church at Ephesus, you've left your first love. And then they excused that love with a hatred for wrong. Wrong is wrong, and there's a responsibility that we have to note, identify, and warn of wrong. However, the first love, if I can say it like this, is a positive, personal, and a powerful love that takes the Word of God to make my life what it ought to be. That first love is an active and a working love. Even though you hate the wrongdoers, even though you let the wrongdoers have it, you're fallen and you're not doing your first works. You can't be right on all the wrongs and do a work for God. You need to get back to your first love. And the way you get your first love back is your return to your first works. That brings me to a question. Which comes first, love or work? Do we serve him because we love him or do we love him because we serve him? I contend that pure love is obedience. I contend that pure love is obedience. You've heard me say this before. It's one of my favorite funny things to say. There's a bumper sticker that says, honk if you love Jesus. That's all right. Give somebody an excuse to honk their horn at you. The one I like better than that is tithe if you love Jesus. Anybody can honk. <laughs> and I believe the purest form of love is obedience. I believe the purest form is to acknowledge him in my life and do what he says to do. Parents, listen to me. There are times that children, don't miss it. Those of you who have reared children, there are times that children will express an emotional love to cover up a wrong. I tell you why I know. I was a children once. And nothing's changed. Daddy, you're just the best daddy in the whole world. What are you into? <laughs> now, I understand that's not, I understand that's an exaggeration, but you understand what I'm saying about that. Sometimes there is a love that is expressed by emotion. The purest love is obedience. Saul was disobedient, and so what he did was, he was disobedient when he attacked the enemy, God said, I want you to annihilate. I want you to destroy. I don't want there to be any spoil. I don't want any spoil. But Saul kept much of the sheep. So to cover up his disobedience, he made a great sacrifice, which was a greater sacrifice than many others in the past. But God rejected that sacrifice, and he said, Obedience is better than sacrifice. Now he's saying in this passage of scripture, I know you hate what you're supposed to hate, but you're not loving what you're supposed to love. 
I contend that pure love is obedience and it cannot be replaced with feelings or words or a changing of emotion. But real love is being obedient to God. Jesus said again and again, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now what is this first works that gave me my first love? I'll give you these things. Number one, it is a surrender to do anything God wants me to do. Brother Davis preached a tremendous message on surrender this week. A first work is surrendering. Say, Lord, I surrender all. Surrender is not giving an offering. Surrender is giving the one who gives the offering. It's giving him me. It's giving him everything. We see this in Paul's life. Paul surrendered his life to God to the place uh, that Paul was never ever too good to return to a first work or a simple surrender as a servant to do anything God wanted him to do. Paul was willing to learn from someone less educated than he was. Paul was willing, though he desired, to stay in Asia and preach to the Jews. God said, I want you to go to Macedonia. I want you to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And Paul had a tremendous doctrinal argument with the Jews who was saying, hey, you've got to keep the law. And these Gentiles, they've got to keep the law. And Paul said, salvation is not in the law. Salvation is by grace through faith in Christ, in Christ alone and, and Paul withstood them at that council and Paul he, he was a Jew of Jews but his surrender it didn't matter who it was because he was surrendered and Paul kept returning to his first work, Paul never graduated from his first work Jesus said if you follow me I'll make you fishers of men I contend that those men became many things they became teachers they they became martyrs for Christ but they never stopped as long as they were living uh, being fishers of men I want to say tonight uh, to get back to my first love I've got to get back to the first work and the first work is to surrender again and again Second of all, I point out that Paul did not just expose and hate the teaching that the Jews held on to trying to force that or add that to the gospel. But Paul continued to use the gospel to reach another group of people. He didn't stop and just fight those that were teaching wrong. He kept his first love of keeping the gospel going forward. Yes, we must take a stand against sin. We must take a stand against the heresy. We must take a stand against things that will hurt the church. But dear friend, we can't stop building with the trowel and use the sword all the time. If all we ever do is carry the sword, the wall will never be built. The work will never be done. Don't ever leave your first love. There's something special about the first love. There's something about the first works that keep us tender as we see folks born again, as we see folks growing in grace, as we see churches being planted and the tenderness and the joy and the happiness of that first love. Oh, how important it is. We can't be teaching our children constantly about what's wrong with wrong but not teach our children what's good about right. I'm not, I'm not too sure we have much to worry about about warning our kids about wrong. They'll go home tonight and say, well, I'm not going to say anything else about Internet. I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying that. 
God said, I hate exactly what you hate. You're right on your, on your hatred of wrong. But you've left your first love. You're out of balance and you've fallen. It's, it's bringing death to your church. We have to nurture our children. Uh, we have to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I want my home to be a happy place. I want my life to be a happy place. I said this morning, uh, I, I, I like sermons that have a truth and a bit of happiness to them. I want to be positive in my preaching. I preached this week on, on the last days, and I, I, and I preached a sermon for 20-some years on the last days, and there, there was a time in my life I'd get so discouraged when preachers would preach a gloom and doom sermon about the last days, and I preached a message. Yes, it is the last day, but it's not time to quit. It's the most exciting days in all the world to live. Can you imagine being alive on the day that the trumpet would sound and the dead in Christ would rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up in the clouds with them to meet the Lord in the air. It's wonderful to live in the last days. I'm not going to go hide in a cave until Jesus comes. I'm going to get on the track and put the pedal to the metal till Jesus comes. You say, well, you've got to fight against wrong. I am. That brings me to the next point. The best defense is offense. You know, when, when, you know, I don't care what sport you play. You have to learn defense. But the only reason you play defense is get the ball back so you can score. This church says we got the best defensive team there is in the whole world. we got the best defensive church. I know, but you haven't won a game forever because you never do anything for God. You've lost every game three to nothing. You've left your first love. There's no joy. There's no devotion. You've replaced the golden shields with the brass shields. And, 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 and you take a stand, but you never take the word of God and take the gospel to the lost. Your devotion, your joy, your excitement, your happiness, your first love. Can I tell you something? Your first love, I mean, I don't care what it is. It's a great love. You get a new car. First rule, rule number one, no eating in the car. Now, when you say it's time for supper, the kids go get in the van. Man, we're going through the drive-thru. You ought to catch up at home, just go look under the seat. There's two or three packages there. Some are open, some are not. I mean, you got dipping sauce from 14 restaurants under the seat of your car right now. Now, I'll tell you what happens. I'll tell you what happened. One of these nice, pretty days, you clean that car inside out. You get it cleaned up, waxed, cleaned. You know what you're going to say? No eating in the car. You know what he's saying to the church right here? You need to renew that first love. You stand right. And I'm thankful for your work. I'm thankful for your labor. The best defense is offense. I didn't, have to, I didn't have to guard the other team when I had the ball. They keep track of how much time one team has over the... Uh, one, uh, they keep uh, track of how, much time, of how much time they play in offense, how much time they play in defense. I'm not saying tonight we don't stand against wrong. I'm not saying that at all. Don't misunderstand me. But I'm saying this. We're not careful. We get so mad at wrong. We'll leave the joys of our first love. When Israel would sin against God, I'm looking at the time. I've got to finish. When Israel would sin against God, he would bring judgment on them. They would cry out to God and he would send a prophet to them. And that prophet would preach and they would repent of their wrongdoing. 
what they would do wrong is they would replace their love for God with a love for the blessings of God. And then when you go from loving God to loving the blessings of God, then you come to replacing that with the worship of the heathen's God. You come to the place then of punishment. God, what do we need to do? Well, you need to get back to your first love. You need to get back to your first works so you can restore your first love. What is your first works? Worship me. Can I tell you, God's command of worship was not an emotion. It was a command. You read that book of the law. I want to tell you something that's been very convicting to me in my study of the word of God. I find that they would read the Bible as they would go through the times of revival in First and Second Kings Chronicles and throughout the Old Testament. They would, they would go through revival and then rebellion and sin and punishment and revival. Here's what would bring revival. They would read the word and they always read the law. Boy, they recognized the holiness and the righteousness of God. They recognized what was right. They would fall on their face. I fear that we think revival is just being stirred up. No, revival is repenting. Getting rid of the wrong and then back to doing what's right. The same is true today. And I close with these statements. Number one, surrender to God is not a one-time thing. Unless you understand it's what we do every day. Surrender to God is not a one-time thing unless you understand it's what we do every day. Yes, I remember that day as a 16-year-old teenage boy when I surrendered my life lock, stock, and barrel. And as I told the story this morning of little Bobby Moffat who didn't have anything to put in the offering plate and after church he, was, he felt bad because as a poor boy he had nothing to put in the offering plate so he went back in and he put the plate on the ground on the floor and he stood in the offering plate and he said, I want to give myself to God. I remember that day. I remember that day as a 16-year-old boy. I said, God... I give you my life. I want to serve you. I want to do whatever. But that's not the only day of surrender. Every day I need to remember where I was and what I said and what I did. That's what I got to go back to. If I go back to that same surrender, I'll get that first love again. Get rid of the sin in your life. You can't have a first love with sin in your life. Get rid of the pride and arrogance. You know why God hates pride and arrogance so much? Because you and I are absolutely able to accomplish nothing without his aid. Nothing. God blesses us by letting us in on it. That, that, and, and then we get this pride and arrogance. We, we, we're like the bug on the elephant's back that when he crossed the bridge, the bug said to the elephant, we really shook that bridge, didn't we? We didn't do anything except ride on God's back. We're not doing anything except having the privilege of surrendering, serving Him. Get rid of the pride and arrogance. Give the glory to God. That's who it belongs to. Get rid of the sins of the mind. Cleanse your mind. Hey, cleanse your mind. You can't live on the internet and that filth and foolishness of that and then just expect to serve God without having a time of Psalm 51 cleansing and confessing and forsaking that. Get away from that sin. Get rid of the sins of the flesh. Get rid of the sins of the tongue. Come clean. Let him clean you up. You get back to worshiping God, your first work, what you're created to do. Worship, bring honor, glory to him. 
there'll be a warmness in your heart and you'll realize, I sure do love him. I don't decide to love him, I decide to obey him. When I return to my first works, I then return to my first love. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us tonight to understand.